My building is on the corner of Dexter Avenue and Richton Street in downtown Detroit. It's four stories of brick shaped like a square horseshoe, meaning three sides, one open. In order to be on the main drag, which is Dexter, you exit the building, pass through a dilapidated patio area, and make a left when you hit the sidewalk. The side of the building that faces Dexter used to house four retail spaces on the bottom level, with three floors of apartments above. Now, they're all boarded up, as is most of Dexter Avenue. Tell me what you see, Morneau. The kid and I had spent about an hour doing what he called mapping my apartment. Counting steps from one area to another, setting my mental image of the space against how many of my natural strides it took to get from, say, my bedroom to the bathroom, or recliner to the kitchen. Because I know what the area looks like, it wasn't a stretch. I didn't even memorize the steps. Mostly, took in the way the kid instructed me. Simple, concise, short sentences. Only necessary information. I found the whole exercise refreshing. I spend most of my time with Carla, and she's the exact opposite of simple and concise. Also, her definition of necessary information vastly differs from mine. Being able to navigate my small apartment wasn't a challenge. I could have done it with my eyes closed before the blindness. But as soon as I pushed the door open in the bottom floor vestibule and felt the blistering December air, I got an overwhelming sense of being untethered without Carla there gripping my elbow to ground me. Something about this didn't sit well. Morneau? I'd stopped, blocking the exit, which the kid discovered when his cane came in contact with the back of my boots. Yeah, I'm here. Just getting my bearings. You said you walked this way a million times, which I highly doubt, so I'll assume that's hyperbole. The point is, you know what it looks like, so tell me what you see. I instinctively closed my eyes behind the sunglasses, like you do when you want to get a mental image of something, and immediately cringed at the action's absurdity. This is what I've become now. The sum of my accumulated daily humiliations, most of which only I am privy to. Okay, there's gonna be a step down, then it's a straight shot through the patio until you get to the metal handrail that's embedded in the cement. In case you're interested, there's a triangle patch of weeds on either side, which, I assume, the builder thought would make nice flower beds. I've never seen any flowers. Empty beer cans, cigarette butts, and used condoms are what generally flower in our twin gardens. At the end of each of the weed beds is a large white pillar, but they're shaped like a giant pot or drum and flank the steps leading to the sidewalk. That handrail I mentioned is dead center between them. Oh, and if you're looking for a laugh, to my right, and I actually pointed my fuck stick because I'm a fucking idiot, there's a little blue ADT security sign mounted on a pole that sticks out of the dirt. The kid's silence told me he had a way to go on his journey to becoming one with sarcasm. Describe the color white. White? Well, clouds are white, but I guess that doesn't help you. Uh, white is pure, empty. It's an absence of color, I guess. It's bright, like fresh snow. 
White is the sound of a high-pitched handbell, if that makes any sense. It does, thanks. Okay, get us to the handrail. I did in 12 long strides, and then slid over to the right so I could hold the rail with my free hand. I'm taking the right side of the rail. The kid had already taught me to narrate my movements aloud so he could picture what I was doing on his mental map. I felt him stop at my left. His right hand brushed against mine as he grabbed the rail. Okay, two steps. So, now we're on the sidewalk. What now? I pivoted to my left, knocking my stick against his legs. Sorry, we're taking a left. Headed down the sidewalk to the corner of Dexter and Richton. It's, uh, I don't know, 20 yards or so. But don't quote me on that, Einstein. Take it slow. I don't want you to stumble in the traffic. Dexter Avenue is five lanes of what Mom calls homogenized hate. Cars won't bother to slow down for an old guy with a white cane. Yeah, maybe you should go first. I have problems not walking into traffic when I can see. Put your left hand out and drag it along the brick till we get to the end of the building. Listen to everything. The traffic on the side of the street to our right. Our voices echo off the brick and cement to our left. And the sounds of the things ahead of you. These are your cues. What you base the landmarks and your mental map on. I stopped when the tips of my fingers reached the corner of the building. Instinctively, whipping my cane out to my right to halt the kid's forward motion. What are you doing? We're at the corner. I wanted you to stop. I think the curb is three or four steps ahead of us. Don't worry about me, Morno. I know what I'm doing. Now is a good time to discuss cane technique. Screw cane technique. I've got my own technique, and I'm comfortable with it. There is never a situation where you need to whack someone in the neck. I'd have to disagree. In my line of work, I often find it necessary to whack people with things. Tell me what you see. To your right is a short, pathetic-looking bush that some poor sod is tasked to weed-whack into a square every few months. It sits in a patch of grass that is probably brown mush right now due to the recent weather. Ahead of us across the street is an empty lot. We're taking a left here. It's a straight shot to the meanwhile. Mr. Lash said that's where you want to go. Oh, he did, did he? Well, Lash is a smartass. But he's a smartass who knows me well. Tell me what you hear. Traffic. Outside sounds. I don't know. It all blends together. You hear that buzzing? Light poles run the length of Dexter. Three on each block and one at each end. Power lines run along the top of them. As soon as he said it, I could see them. But I guess they're just one of those things you tune out during the course of a normal day. I knew they were there, but for some reason hadn't applied them to my mental map. We continued like this, block after block, with him asking me what I saw as we passed the other end of my building, the empty overgrown lot, and then the smooth painted cement as we passed the dollar store. Next came the Dexter bar, long gone, but not forgotten. It's patchwork of boards and bricks scratching out sensory information against the tips of my fingers. Butted up against it, another brick building, smaller and more squat, had served as a pawn shop, mortgage company, and tax filing service 
among other things during the time I'd lived in the area. Once we arrived at the corner of Tuxedo and Dexter, I described the building on our left, across the intersection. This one also abandoned, its curved corner jutting out like the face of a piranha with metal security bars for teeth. Further along, five more boarded-up brick storefronts, three different textures, all telling the same sad story. The last building on that block leaned against the remains of its brethren. I described the blue awnings over the three doors of the Elevation Fellowship Temple, all facing the street and evenly distributed until you reached the last section of the building, which was built a little higher and had two blue stained glass windows. Sounds like a place of worship. Never thought to ask, because I tend to give religion and all who fall within its extremist constraints a wide berth. You don't believe in God? Nope. But there isn't a whole lot I believe in these days, so if the big guy does exist, he shouldn't take offense. Describe blue. Blue is the ocean, darker in some places, lighter in others. The sky is powder blue. Well, if we're talking about clear daytime sky, unmarred by any sort of weather conditions, or the color variables of dusk and dawn, I find blue calming, resolute. Hmm. I was telling him we were passing another empty lot on our left, headed toward Burlingame, but stopped when I heard voices on either side of us. Someone was crossing the empty lot to our left, and a couple other voices were headed straight for us. Their voices lowered as they passed. After a few seconds, I heard laughter ring out a couple yards behind the open area where we stood. The voices rising and dissipating. You get a lot of that? Sure, wouldn't you take a second look if you saw a blind kid and an old blind guy walking down the street together? We continued a few yards before I stopped at the curb to listen for sounds on the side street like he taught me. Because God forbid Detroit have those little crosswalk buttons. Hell no, we blind folk are on our own. The kid didn't seem to be phased by it, so I tried to ignore the blatant oversight. I did make a mental note to have Carla toss off a few emails to the city council. Not that it would do anything. Detroit couldn't even pay enough cops to effectively police the streets, so a trifling thing like making the lives of the blind community a little safer probably wouldn't rise very high on the budgetary agenda. We walked three more blocks, passing the empty food mart. I described its triangular sign and gaudy red chipping paint, then another empty building, and then the greasy spoon known as Coney Island Restaurant. We finally reached our destination on the corner of Dexter and West Boston Boulevard, and I stood on the corner in what I imagined was the last faint light of day, describing the meanwhile. The building's pretty interesting, kid. Four stories, but only the bottom one is being used. The top three floors are mostly storage and junk. At one time, it was an old brick church. It's got windows that are shaped like... Okay, picture your finger lopped off at the second knuckle. They're curved up top and straight at the bottom. The brick around the windows is painted dark burgundy. And there's lots of them. Maybe like 30 or so. Some still have the stained glass. Some are boarded. The bottom floor, the bar just has one square window. 
Admittedly, the lower level is a sorry blight against the rest of the building, because the old windows were patched in with brick when the bar opened. But the front door is sturdy oak, and there's a pull-across set of bars for security. Fortunately for us, they're not pulled across now. Come on, let me introduce you to my best friend, and you can meet Muggs, too. Who's your best friend? Kid, we're gonna have to do a little more work on sarcasm. Probably get Carla involved. She excels in that area. I was jovially implying that the bar itself, including the many libations contained therein, is my best friend. When in fact, Muggs has that honor. But given my penchant for the drink, one could argue, and Carla certainly would, there's a question about which of the previous I hold in higher esteem. Describe Burgundy. Burgundy is a trumpet, kid. Booming, loud, vociferous. One of the many hues of fall leaves. And when combined with the shock of oranges and yellows in a pile beneath their benefactor, look like heaven's confetti. But enough of this shit. I reached out and pulled the door open with a cheerful flourish I hoped he could feel. Now we drink. 